0: He said, if you know you need to go to LA, you've got to do it. Mm-hmm. Just got to go. And it was that little spark that he pushed me to take action. And it's the same with real estate investing.
1: Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure. Free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name episode 565 titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one up being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique. To their company, and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that, adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. With us today, Clayton Morris. How you doing, Clayton?
0: I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me.
1: My pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Clayton. He is a real estate investor and the president of Morris Invest, which helps people build passive income and true legacy wealth. He's news anchor on America's number one morning show, Fox & Friends, on the Fox News channel. And he's the host of Investing in Real Estate podcast with a laser focus on buy and hold rental properties. With that being said, Clayton, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus?
0: Sure. Focus was never... <laughs> it's funny you say that because it was never really my thing. Until, I mean, discipline, focus, was. You know, chasing shiny objects was always my biggest problem. And so it wasn't until I got focus and zeroed in on a question that my wife had asked me, You know, what are you chasing? A number of years ago, that really had me sit back. It was like a punch to the gut. I started out in the broadcast world as a child. I, I grew up wanting to be David Letterman. Sneak downstairs, would watch Letterman and Carson while well, my parents thought I was asleep. So started a career in broadcasting and traveled all around the country as a reporter, living in different cities and anchor for NBC News, CBS News, NBC all over the country. And while I was there, you know, I was noticing I was renting from a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. and I was dealing with a lot of landlords. And I don't know, I grew up with that, really that rich dad, poor dad mentality. I grew up with the poor dad mentality, work for the paycheck and that sort of thing. And so it just started to slowly dawn on me that I was somehow missing the boat, like working for a paycheck and making $32,000 a year. And literally my rent exceeded the amount I was making for Mm -hmm. my paycheck. Been there. (laughs) Yeah. And... Something just wasn't right. I was like seeing these landlords, and I was renting from, and they were living many, many miles away. They weren't even in the same town, and I was mailing off a rent payment to these people, and I thought, what is going on here? That's when the seeds started to be planted, my friend.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. Seeds were planted. Then what has transpired between then and now, and what year was that when you initially got the aha moment? I remember
0: listening to Rich Dad Poor Dad when I moved to Los Angeles to start working in TV, and I was a producer. So that was 2000, 1999, 2000, okay. right after right after college. Then I moved into Montana as a political reporter for CBS News in the capital and renting. I was by myself renting from this couple who lived in Missoula, about three hours away. And I never saw them. I just mailed them a check, absentee landlord. So that was that aha moment. That was like two thousand. And it took me a few more years to kind of really take action. I mean, I, I had a lot of debt. You know, I had like thirty, forty thousand dollars worth of credit card debt and did not have good credit. And so student loans, God knows. I just bought records and Chinese food on credit cards and it was brutal times. You know, people have this perception of T V at that you know, you're not making anything in those small markets mm-hmm. living out in the middle of nowhere. So That aha moment just took me a long time to claw out of that debt hole and start making, taking action.
1: Yep. The aha moment was 2000 then. It was, okay, now I got to put the pieces in place. As you said, claw out of the debt hole. And when did you buy your first property?
0: It was 2004, 2005, somewhere in there. The show that I was working on at the time called The Daily Buzz. I was living in Dayton, Ohio. And they they kept promising us that they were going to get us out of Ohio and they were going to build a studio and we were going to move. They said, we're going to only be in Ohio for a month or two. And they moved us to Florida. Finally, after two years, I lived (laughs) in uh, Miamisburg and Dayton, Ohio, and lovely people, I actually missed Ohio a lot, and moved us to Florida. And I, sight unseen, found a realtor on the phone, and I just took action, made a connection with a realtor. He went and looked for me and found a one-bedroom condo on a golf course, not too far from the studio fun nightlife nearby, and I bought it. I bought it for like $74,000, sight unseen. It had like a 1970s kind of vibe to it inside. It needed to be updated. (laughs) And that was my first purchase, and I moved into it and started doing the the upgrades myself, and I would spend the nights, because I had to work early morning, four in the morning, I'd be up and to do the show at 6 a.m. I'd be home by lunchtime, and I'd be just starting to put drywall in and spackling and ripping out old light boxes and Mm -hmm. toilets and doing it all myself and learning as I went.
1: The sexy parts of real estate.
0: Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, pulling off old textured wallpaper, which now, by the way, is back in style. That old like wood textured wallpaper, <laughs> man, it's expensive. Holy smoke.
1: So you got your first place in Florida. What city was that? Orlando. You got first place in Orlando in 2005. Did I hear that right? Yeah, right around there. All right, right around then. Okay, got your first place, 74000 Do you still have it? No, I ended up flipping it. Okay. What'd you sell it for?
0: I ended up selling that bad boy for, I think, $110. Mm -hmm. And I lived in it for two years, so I was able to avoid the capital gains on it because I was living in it. Next door, this is when the power of off-market real estate became apparent to me because two doors down, she was an older lady. She had smoked for like 35 years, lived in this place for that long. And her family knew that it needed a lot of work and they didn't want to put it out in the open market because it was just not going to get the price they wanted and it was going to be too much of a hassle and they didn't want to have contingencies and it was going to be a pain. And uh, I made an offer on this two-bedroom version of the one that I had already fixed up myself. And so I had some awareness of what to do, bought it. And by the way, I bought it with 100% financing back Mm -hmm. those days, 110% finance because you rolled in the closing costs also. Mm -hmm. And I would spend... I would have to be up at four in the morning. I'd be in there till one in the morning, working on the place with music on in the background, putting in new cabinets, hanging drywall, painting, oh, everything, light boxes ripped and out. I had to paint the the stuff so many times because there was an inch layer of tobacco, whatever it was from her smoking and you just couldn't get it out. Primer, 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 primer.
1: Got to put kills on it.
0: Yeah, kills. I had like gallons of kills, you know, and sold that one. Also sold that one. I bought that one for like eighty and sold that one for like one hundred and twenty or something like that. Okay. So right around that same time, and then the market crashed and all hell broke loose, you know.
1: You didn't have any property when the market crashed.
0: I did. I had some other properties. I used some of this profit, and this is where you know you live and learn. And I made some huge mistakes. I mean, a lot of people say this is like going to graduate school, right? So. I took the profits from this. I was living high on the hog. I was single. I was <laughs> in my late 20s and early 30s and bought some speculative land project up in North Carolina with a buddy of mine. It was like a Phil Mickelson golf course project mm-hmm. where they were building a clubhouse and they were going to be building multiple phases. And Oh man, put like 30000 in that. That went belly up as the market collapsed. The builders pulled out. Phil Mickelson pulled out. I mean, it was a total disaster. So I went through foreclosure. I had another property in Fort Myers because of that. It wasn't just well enough for me to try one North Carolina thing and test the water. I had had to do two in Fort Myers and one in North Carolina and they all went belly up.
1: (laughs) And then the dust settled on the market crash. What'd you do after that?
0: Well, you know, now my credit was ruined. So I really had to like just refocus and I was trying to just refocus myself on being in the media. And moved to Philadelphia, my home city, and just focused on being a news anchor, saving up some money as much as I could. And I couldn't buy anything because my credit was shot. But it really forced me to learn about real estate off market, how to be unique, how to be creative about getting money, how to start to think about real estate in a different way. And that's really when I dove in. I remember taking a Larry Gowens course. I think it was called like Ultimate Buying and Selling. It was like in the mid 2000s. And I started taking that course, mid to late 2000s. And just wrapping my brain around the idea of locking up properties, doing wholesaling to acquire properties, et cetera. And that's kind of how things started out for me. I started then managing to save some money and started buying some properties in the Midwest, single families. And that's how I started building up with cash. I had to use cash. Maybe I didn't have to. I know there's a lot of experts out there, obviously, who are listening to this right now saying, come on, you could have done it so many different ways with private money and this and that. And of course, knowing what I know now, but I started using cash, which is still fine because now these properties are free and clear. Uh They were cash flowing, rehab them. They're still generating great cash flow for me today. I have no repairs on them all these years later because I took care to put in the mechanicals and put in the furnace and water heater, and update the windows and roof. And that set the template for what I do now. Mm.
1: So you were physically located in Philadelphia at the time when you started buying these Midwestern properties?
0: Well, I was in Philly for about a year then moved to New York City, got the job at the network. And that's when I started making network money and started doing really really well. So moved to Fox News Channel in Manhattan and started then just, and I still, my credit was screwed up, you know? Mm -hmm. And I still also had like a deficiency judgment come forward in a property that I was still dealing with because I was going back and forth and it Mm -hmm. was with this Florida property. And ended up having all my assets frozen. I woke up one morning, I couldn't even buy a cup of coffee. <laughs> so here I am at the like, greatest moment of my life. I reached the network. I'm blessed, right? Not very many people get to reach like, the, uh, you know network news job after living all over the country. And I come into the studio and I go downstairs. There's like the cafeteria, you a know, nice restaurant. I go downstairs to buy a cup of coffee and like an egg sandwich or something. And, oh, your car's declined. I said, you got to be kidding me. What's going on? And I just thought I would have an overdraft problem. I go upstairs and like every number on my Bank of America account was all in red. And like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like knocked out. You couldn't do anything. It was like, your life is over. Click here. So I call the bank and they're like, uh, yeah, your assets uh, have been frozen. Bye. And they like gave a name of like some law firm or whatever. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I just took a deep breath regrouped and realized, you know, this is the worst moment of my life right now. Like, but it's going to get better. Ho- hopefully that's the worst moment. Of yeah. Life. I mean, up to this point, right? I'm yeah. 40. <laughs> so it was brutal. But that's still was when I was still having to just save up that cash. And so that's when I started buying properties. I was in Manhattan, started really thinking seriously about my approach to buying properties. I'd buy like one every few months and rehab it with my team. And I had great contractors and people I could really trust and just started building it that way slowly and slowly and slowly.
1: The first Midwestern property while living in New York city, how did you find your team for that property to do the rehab?
0: It's kind of, you know, all who you know and a friend of mine was born and raised just outside of Detroit uh, not too far from Ford, the Ford factory there and Ford headquarters. And I'd become close with him and he was like the head of the Disney cruise line. And we became fast friends in Orlando for many years. And when I told him what I was doing, he said, you know, my brother is a fantastic general contractor in, and he told me where, cause I, I said, I'm flying into this city. I'm going to take a look at these properties. And he said, well, my brother lives there. I said, what? And that's just kind of how it happened. You know, just mm-hmm. serendipitously and just started putting these pieces together. You know, I think you're pointed, you and I kind of talked about this before when you were on my show, you're compelled in certain directions to go in life. And this started for me when I was on an airplane flight to New Zealand. I was going to visit a friend of mine to take photos, just to shoot for a week of photos in the mountains. And I was half groggy, half asleep, and the, the couple next to me, they're in their 50s, and they were going to New Zealand also. And after like 16 hours of sleeping and tossing and turning, and you're ready to land and 30 minutes left till we land and I wake up, or till we just get to talking. They asked how long I was going to be there. I said, About five days. I said, What about you? I said, Oh, about uh, we're going to be there for two months. I said, Who gets to go to New Zealand? You're not 90 (laughs) for two months. And he said, Oh, I'm a real estate investor. And he started telling me where he was investing in the Midwest and he and his partner. And that's Mm -hmm. how he's able to travel the world and do what he does passive income and cash flow. They told me these towns in Michigan. and, And so I literally booked the flight. And the moment I got back from New Zealand, right to that town then my friend's brother happens to be the contractor in that town the stars align things make sense you can listen yep. to your intuition it makes sense
1: what are the numbers on that first midwestern deal roughly
0: i think the, you know the numbers i was going back through some of the archives here and they were right around 20 it was a short sale i think i ended up picking it up for like 24 something like that 25 mm-hmm. roughly yeah 3 bedroom 1 bath it was a corner property had a big backyard and i was not scared away from people with pets. I thought this is a fenced in backyard. This is going to be great. I can even maybe charge a little bit more for someone with a dog who'd love this big yard. Mm -hmm. And I just jumped on it.
1: And so you're clearly, well, I don't want to jump to assumptions. Are you investing for cash flow with a $24,000 property? And this is Detroit, right?
0: Well, it's actually out of Detroit. So if you throw a stone, you're not in the city of Detroit. So it was technically Redford, Michigan. Mm -hmm. So the zip code is Redford. I buy properties there and in other states in the Midwest, but Redford, Warren, and some in Detroit, because there's a lot of great properties in Detroit. When you get into some of those burned out zones, you have to know your streets, of course, and you have to know what you're doing. But some great, like, you know, solid brick homes that are cash flowing from me for years. I have years, tenants in those properties that signed five-year leases with me and single mom with a young girl who wanted to be in the school district, the good school district where my property was located. So yeah, cash flow, I, I guess I didn't fully understand it then because I was thinking I want it to be all things to all people. So I want a huge equity. I want appreciation. I want cash flow, I think. And you realize you can't do all three. You pick the two that you're strong with that speak to you and go with those. It's like trying to get fast food and think you're going to get quality, speed, and convenience. You're not going to be able to get all of those things. And,
1: and, to- and low calorie. And look out, right? You're gonna have (laughs) to with no sugar. Yeah, with no sugar.
0: You know, and certain companies try to do it and then it comes back to bite them in the butt sometimes. You look at Chipotle. So you can't be all things to all people. And so for me, it's cash flow. And I like to buy below market so that I'm getting a nice little piece of equity so that my net worth is going up in addition to being able to buy this great cash flowing property. But appreciation for me, I learned my lesson with what happened with those speculative land deals that I ended up going through. Yep. Appreciation for me as an investment vehicle was dead. I don't care what anyone said. I don't care what any guru wanted to come and tell me. There's no way I'm investing for appreciation again.
1: Mm-hmm. So cash flow with some equity going into it, or after the repairs are done, or instant equity,
0: knowing that if okay that property is worth about forty forty five, right. and I'm picking it up for you know twenty six twenty seven, I have that wiggle room to put in eight to ten thousand and still have a nice little bit of equity on the back end that I didn't have to pay for, that was sort of built-in equity. So my main goal is cash flow. That's mm-hmm. my losing my job, living on the margins, being knee-deep in debt, raised in that philosophy of the rich dad, poor dad philosophy, thinking that I watched my dad lose his job when I was like 13, and it just destroyed us, you know, or destroyed me. We were fine, but it was like I was, thought the world was over. Someone told my dad they didn't want him to work there anymore, and our lives were over. I remember crying to my best friend. I was like, I think we're going to have to move and sell our house. It was all fear-based, so I grew up with an intense amount of fear around money, thinking that I'm not worthy of money, money doesn't grow on trees, we're not the Rockefellers. so I heard all these negative memes my whole life around money. and So I committed myself to changing that, and it's very important how I speak to my kids now about money. I don't want them to ever think of lack in their lives. I want them to understand abundance and realize they can't hold on to money either, that it flows through them in order to help other people. Mm. And that's incredibly important because when you hold on to it, you're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting other people.
1: Yeah, that's a interesting philosophy. I like that a lot. It's uh, something maybe I, I haven't consciously thought of, some con- subconsciously per- perhaps, but not consciously. I heard that. I like that. So w- your company now, how are you making money with your company, Morris Invest?
0: So now we're still using the same principles that when I found my properties in the early days of buying them for myself. I'm off market, trying to bring them up to value where I can put in new furnace, new water heater, update the roof, put in new windows, new PEX plumbing, new electrical, updating the kitchens and baths, and making it a great place for somebody to live, and still making sure I'm still below market value when I'm done with it. And then also that we're in great areas where the taxes are low, we're in areas where there's stable blue collar jobs, and those properties cash flow, and that's my main focus. And so. Our clients are paying us for that, which is a high ROI. We try to hit between a ten and twelve percent net ROI on every property we do, and then it's fully managed with our team. We have great third-party property management teams that we work with in our markets, who understand the variations in why that property will rent for seven hundred and that one will rent for seven twenty-five. The streets and everything, and and obviously making sure they're doing all the background checks and employment verification and everything like that with our tenants. And so that's our promise. We try to keep it super simple because I like to say, is my first client was my mom. I was doing this, building up this portfolio of properties with my wife and my mom came to me and she said, hey, I've got 40,000 to invest out of my 401k. I can do a loan out of my 401k. Can you help me get one? I see what you're doing and I could use that cash flow." And I said, sure. And she said, by the way, you're gonna have to do everything because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to hire contractors. I don't know how to rehab a home. I don't know any of that. So can you just take care of me? I said, sure. And she was really our first client. And we kept the same standards in place as we've grown.
1: You've attained success as a professional in what you do with your full-time job. What have you learned from that that you apply to real estate investing?
0: Taking action. When I was a young man and ready to move out to California, I just turned 40. But when I was just graduating college from the University of Pittsburgh, I came home 1999, summer, and my best friend Andy was there. We we're having beers on the front porch. And even though it was stupid of me to move to the number two market in television in the country, I should have moved to the 160th market first to try to get a job in TV. But like an idiot, I just packed up my U-Haul truck and said, are you coming with me? And Andy said, yep, I'm going to do it. We're gonna, let's go together. We're going to move to LA and I'm going to get started in TV. I didn't have a job. I didn't know anyone. And I'm just going to do it. Just take action and I'll figure it out when I get there. And my dad looked at me. Even though I grew up under that rich dad, poor dad, he was the poor dad. We had a great upbringing. But he said, if you know you need to go to L.A., you've got to do it. Mm -hmm. You just got to go. And it was that little spark that he pushed me to take action. And it's the same with real estate investing. People want to hang out in internet forums and just misery loves company. So many naysayers out there, whether it's Facebook or God, they all just want to complain and look for reasons to not take action so the same thing is true in real estate as it is me taking a plunge and moving out to california we all know people like this in our hometowns who you know when you go back to that restaurant that you used to like when you grew up you're going to see maybe even some of the wait staff is still there because they didn't take action and you did
1: i love that story thank you for sharing that you ready for the best ever lightning round Let's do it. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Are you a real estate investor and you're trying to do it all yourself? Then you got to stop the insanity, my friend, and go hire virtually. Virtual Office VA is a U.S.-based and trained real estate virtual assistant company. They can free up your time. You can go to their website, learn what they're all about, and go sign up for a virtual assistant. Go to virtualofficeva.com. That's virtualofficeva.com. All right, what's the best ever book you've read? Oh, the best
0: ever book I've read. It's a book that really changed my life in the past few years, and that is The Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity by Edwin Gaines. And as I mentioned, struggled with money, memes about money and wanting to hold on to it, thinking that you can't donate money because there's not enough for you. She breaks down one of the laws in the book, and I don't care if you're Christian or whatever, it's really not about Christianity, it's not about any kind of religion, tithing. And the historical significance of tithing, that 10%, and understanding to give that money to someone in your life who brings you spiritual nourishment, spiritual food, as she says. It could be someone like your waitress who sees that you're having a bad day and just spends extra few moments comforting you that day. Oh, I see you're having a bad day, have an extra cup of coffee. What's bothering you today? that's the time that you give that person an incredible tip and show how much that person means to you. So Breaking Those Memes About Money for Me and that book, it's a great little book. She's an Amazing Woman, Edwin Gaines, check it out.
1: Best ever deal you've done?
0: Oh, it was a wholesaling deal in New Jersey. It proves like every point of real estate. Systems work, follow-up works. I had done a mailing in New Jersey where I live and I found a property in a very affluent neighborhood, these houses were being kind of torn down or built out from $400,000 and being sold for 900000 And I managed to do a mailing, got these people, stuck to my guns on price. I sent them a purchase agreement when no one else did. And a month or two months later, they followed up with me, is your offer still good? We've exhausted our going around the circle. We'll take your offer. I got it. It ended up being a wholesale deal. It ended up being $43,000 assignment or actually to double close that one. So $43,000 double close. That was a big moment for me. That was my second wholesale deal I ever did.
1: Wow, you got spoiled. <laughs> best ever way you like to give back, speaking of your best ever book. Well,
0: you and I kind of talked about this. What I try to do, people ask me like, why do you give so much away? I'll spend 30 minutes on the phone with investors. They have no money. I don't care. I want to help people take action. And so I've been blessed with, a broadcasting career. And so one of the ways that I like to give back is to kind of just kind of share as much as I can, share everything, be as transparent, open as a book. So I'll jump on the phone with people, talk for 30 minutes. They'll tell me about their goals or financial goals or struggling with this. And I'll kind of just help them over that hurdle, sort of trying to be a mentor to as many people as I can. And you and I talked about this, which is trying to go into inner cities to help with that financial education, because we're not taught this stuff. We were never taught this is the way to build wealth. We're taught, go get a job. And we're taught, this is how you balance a checkbook. But we're not talking about real wealth building in this country. So I try to give back in that way to the best of my ability. Anytime I'm asked, any speech going to a public library in our inner city, anything like that is what I love to do.
1: What's the biggest mistake you've made on a deal? That's a great question. There's been a bunch. I mean, you know,
0: but one sticking out to me is dragging out a deal for too long and making promises that I couldn't keep to the seller. And this would happen to be a wholesaling deal. And that really, at the end of the day, I lost my deposit. I wasn't going to fight that, of course, and all of that. But just the dragging out of the deal and thinking that at the last moment, I could just bail on the contract. People's lives are involved in this, right? Mm-hmm. They're planning on moving. They're planning on packing up their stuff. And I thought for sure that I could sell this house. I thought for sure that I could buy this. I could do something with it. But there ended up being a, a disastrous sewer condition with the property with a, uh, what do you call it? One of those big heaps of uh, not even a septic tank, but the the one before that. Why can't I think of it? The, the mound of like sand, mm-hmm. that uh, um, cesspool.
1: Cesspool, yeah.
0: Yeah. And in New Jersey law, you cannot now sell that without it being upgraded. So she's in a rock and a hard place. She owes all this money. I thought for sure that this house would sell. We could do a great deal. It ended up dragging on and on and on. She's packing up, ready to move to Pennsylvania. And I just have to tell her I can't do it. And it was just heartbreaking. So now I pull the Band-Aid off real fast, right away, as soon as I can, not waiting that long, 40 days before I have to make
1: a decision like that. Clayton, what's the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you?
0: The best place is simple. If they just come to my website, um, I've got a free download for people who are looking to build financial freedom. Uh, That's the the thing that I built that changed my life. It's a four page PDF that my wife and I, after night of tears kind of brainstormed on our whiteboard called our financial freedom number. And it changed my life and it changed my business. And I've heard from hundreds and hundreds of investors who it has changed their lives. So it's a free download. If you're interested, you can come to my website, morrisinvest.com slash freedom. You can download it there or just hit me up on social media. I'm everywhere. And I'd love to say hi to anyone who has any questions about real estate and needs any advice, guidance. I'm always
1: willing to help. Really enjoyed our conversation as I was expecting. And I loved, as I'm sure best ever listeners loved hearing about your progression as a real estate investor from your first place in Orlando and the second place to then some speculation on some golf course stuff that didn't work out and then being in a tough spot and then identifying the best ways to buy your focus's cash flow, not buying for appreciation and crossing our fingers, but forcing appreciation through some renovations, certainly, but not crossing our fingers and hoping that it just appreciates as well as making sure that you have equity going into the deals and your focus now. And then also the underlying foundation that you have of taking action, the U-Haul truck going to LA story certainly exemplifies that. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Are you a real estate investor and you're trying to do it all yourself? Then you got to stop the insanity, my friend, and go hire virtually. Virtual Office VA is a U.S.-based and trained real estate virtual assistant company. They can free up your time. You can go to their website, learn what they're all about, and go sign up for a virtual assistant. Go to virtualofficeva.com. That's virtualofficeva.com.